And we all need them and we all should strive to be good friends, each and every one of us here. Uh, and we can't be friends with everyone, right? That's just not possible to be uh, super good friends with everyone. Uh, it's just not physically possible. Uh, but the reality is we all should be encouraging good friendships. We should be uh, that individual uh, who's solid in our friendship with others. And I think we often underestimate the value of friendship. Uh, and we need to understand it's very important, and it's very important that we are good friends. Iron sharpeneth iron, right? We need to be good friends. Uh, uh, um, Troy and Rhonda in, in Newfoundland, I think I've mentioned them. They were actually here a few weeks ago. They came by and visited us, and we're here for a service. And I remember Troy telling me that him and his wife, or wasn't his wife at the time, Rhonda, they were hiking in Grossmore National Park. And uh, if you ever get the chance... If you can go anywhere in Newfoundland and there's only one time you can go, you need to go to Grossmore National Park. It's amazing. All right? It's so beautiful. Uh, you see those pictures of Newfoundland advertisement and there's a guy standing up at the head of the forge and he's looking down in it? Nobody's seen that? Nobody has. Okay. I've been there. It's amazing. So anyway, if you go, you get a chance to go. But anyway, they're hiking in this national park. Totally amazing. Lots of bears, though, in that national forest, in that national park. Uh, so they were walking down a trail that I had often walked before, and they did it in the spring. Hibernating, spring, waking, uh, out come the bears. And uh, so there's evidence if a bear is coming awake. I mean, obviously you hear them, but they leave other evidences around that they're on the move, they're, they're hungry and things. And uh, they were walking down this one trail, and they heard a noise. It's amazing when you're a little bit spooked, the noises you hear. It, your ear, your hearing goes to like 150% capacity. And like little butterflies make massive noises, you know. And uh, so they're walking through the forest and they've seen some evidence of bears in the area. So they're, you know, you're just going a little faster, trying to get out of there. And they hear a crunch in the back and they start going a little faster. And, and Rhonda says to Troy, aren't you scared? He goes, no, I just have to outrun you. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Uh, but that's not a good friend, is it? I mean, uh, that's a true story. I did not make that up. He told me that story. I'm like, and she still married you. Man, oh man. She really loves you. But at any rate, the idea is that he's not going to catch Bodhi. It's only going to be one. But the idea is a good friend is there to encourage you along the way, even when the bear's chasing you, okay? And uh, we need to be good friends. So let's look at John chapter 15. This is really a launching point. We're going to be in a bunch of different verses tonight, okay? So John chapter 15, verse number 10. And it says, if we keep, uh, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might be remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, you know, the greatest friend is Jesus. He laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for everyone. I've had the opportunity to be in Europe and been to some more cemeteries, and this verse is on a lot of headstones over there. It's a great verse on a headstone. There's no doubt because they laid down their life for, for you and me. And we're not even friends. We don't even know them. Uh, but the reality is Jesus is the greatest friend, and you need to know him. And, and I'll, we'll be encouraging you with that this evening. Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Dear Jesus, thank you uh, for this time. Thank you for your word, and thank you for friends. 
And Lord, help us to be the good kind of friend, a friend that will encourage and uplift, Lord, in this, in this life, in this journey. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. So when you think of a friend, I mean, I like to go to the dictionary and find out what the dictionary says about it. Uh, it. They gave me three. The dictionary I looked up on my computer. I don't know exactly the name of it, but it was on my computer. It gave me three definitions of a friend. A person, first of all, a person attached to another by feeling or affection or personal regard. Number two is a person who gives assistance, a patron, a supporter, a person who is on good terms. Number three, with another, a person who is not hostile. I think we all would agree that a true friend is a precious treasure. A true friend. And we have the opportunity to be a true friend to others. You might say, well, I don't have any true friends. Well, you can be a true friend to somebody else. Uh, you, you can be that. There's, not, there's nothing that's stopping you from that. And Jesus himself is our greatest and most faithful friend. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. When we, when he extends his love to us, uh, he's there to help us. He's like a friend. He's even greater than a friend. And he helps us grow in our relationship uh, with him. He's a wonderful friend. And if you don't know Jesus, I would encourage you to know him. He changes your life. Uh, so th- he's our friend. And, I, and I've been involved uh, with dealing with you know, ministering to teenagers. Uh, yesterday I was at an event with college and career, young adults. Uh, and with working with teenagers and working with young adults, I've always, you know, I've often said, since say always, but often say, you need to have good friends, right? You need to have good friends. And I can remember as a kid, uh, kids coming home with me to my house, and uh, my mom had a pretty, and dad had a pretty open door, like, hey, come on in, let's let's check out these friends you have. And uh, my mom had no problem telling me what she thought of my friends. She had no problem telling me if it was a good friend or a bad friend. And I'm thankful that my mom did that for me. She's just not like, well, you figure it out, Sonny. No. She's like, that guy's not coming back here. He's a bad apple. And my mom's five foot nothing, but, I mean, you listen to her. Yes, mom. You know, now come back here again. Yes, mom. And we need, they need to have good friends. And you know what the reality is? It does not change no matter how old you are. You need to have good friends. Doesn't matter if you're 40. 50, 60, 70, 80, and if you live to be 90, you still need to have good friends. Uh, and uh, I never really thought about that as I was dealing with children and teenagers and young adults, but I've witnessed people I grew up with in you know middle age have turned away from the truth because of friends they have. Hey, friendship is very important. We should never just discard it. It's so important. Our closest friends should be wisely chosen. Wisely chosen. As they are the ones who will sharpen us. They'll help, you know, they'll sharpen us, uh, in different realms, you know, uh, maybe we need to be more exercising, they'll help us with that, and uh, maybe we, we need some emotional support in the area, they're there, but they definitely need to be sharpness in the spiritual realm. They're helping us to go forward. We need that kind of friendship. And we need to be very conscious. Friends influence you. They influence you. Again, does not matter your age. Your friends influence you in what you'll do in this life. So number one, a friend is encouraging and edifying. A true friend is encouraging and edifying. A true friend will do the following. He'll lift you up, not tear you down. He'll help you up. He's not there to hurt you. Now, I say that, but you know, there's times in your life a good friend will come along and tell a person something, their other friend, and it's not going to feel good, right? 
It's not going to feel great. Well, they're not doing it to tear you down or to hurt you. They're doing it to help you be better. All right? So that that's still a good friend, even when the truth is spoken and it might hurt you a little bit. He does it or she does it because they, they love you. All right? So not there to hurt you. It's encourage you, not discourage you, edify you. So the idea is that when you're around this other friend, the other friend is not saying, look how much better I am than you. Get behind me. I, I need to be the, the the center of attention. You know, true friends are like, hey, we're we're hanging out, we're having a good time, oh, we're we're having a laugh, or whatever the case is. That's a true friend. It's to, to edify, not diminish. And uh, the in essence, a true friend will help you become more of what you need to be, rather than pull you in the wrong direction. There's lots of pulling going on today, trying to pull you away from things, and uh, a true friend is going to do it. So it's encouraging. Uh, uh, a friend is encouraging that if I encouraging the word encourage means to inspire with hope and courage or confidence and hearting, you know, give a good heart nature. The idea you're just you're there to push them along. You don't need to do this every day where you're super encouraging. It's like you know, it's the idea that when the things are bad, when you're having those low times, that friends come along and saying, Listen, you can do it. You can do it through the Lord's strength. You can do it. The Lord will help you. He's there. I'll, I can do whatever I can do to help you as well. You know, just keep on going. Keep on moving forward. Now, some ways that definitely one big way of doing that is encouraging words. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. An encouraging word from a friend will make such a difference. It's a, you, we sometimes forget how powerful a word is. Or a number of words put together. We forget it so quickly. And, and when we're in that time of trial, boy, we really need that encouragement. You know, so calling an, a friend a, a stupid or something when they're in a bad spot, that's not encouraging. No, not at all. Uh, you're there to tell them, hey, let's go forward with the Lord. Uh, let's make sure we're doing good and making sure we're following God's Word. Have you been in the Bible? Have you prayed about it? Have you sought some good counsel about it? I am amazed. And people making decisions without asking anybody a question. And some of these decisions are life-altering. They're just like, oh yeah, I want to do that. And they march off and do it. When they haven't talked to someone who's got experience in the matter, uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm the expert in everything, because I am not. But I can help you. Maybe I can lead you in the right direction. Ask someone who's an expert in the area, who's got some experience. You know, the Bible tells us there's safety in the multitude of counselors. We need that. So I know sometimes we think the Internet tells us everything, but it does not. Okay, let's make sure that we're, when we're making decisions that we're looking to the Lord first of all, then looking to friends and counselors who can help us make the right decisions. You know, you're, if you get discouraged, which you will, you're not alone. Disciples got discouraged too, right? They needed encouragement. And they were with the Lord all the time for three years. You know, they, they, uh, if you look through the scriptures, through the gospels, you'll see that they had a huge gamut of emotions. One time they, you know, they were able to perform miracles with the Lord. Other times they were, uh, fighting amongst themselves who's going to be the greatest, who's going to sit in the right hand of the Father. I mean, talk about the gamma, right? I mean, they're all over the place. And Jesus used words to encourage them. John 14, 1. Let not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know, there's times when he just, hey, 
encouraged them. Other times he, you know, he exhorted them. He, he brought them in correction. Uh, so the same idea as friends, right, we're using our words in the right way to encourage, uh, edify, and you know, build up. And hey, if there's error, we tell them error in a loving way. So the edifying idea means to build up, to instruct specifically, to encourage moral and spiritual improvement, to build up. That's what we're doing. It, it comes uh, from the Latin word that means to build. We need to allow God to help us build our friends into what they, that the Lord has for them and help them, encourage them in their moral growth, their spiritual growth, intellectual growth. Hey, you know, we need to be always being encouraging, edifying each other. Have anyone of us here heard of William Wilberforce? Show of hands. Anybody ever heard of him before? A couple of us? Okay, a few of us? Okay. He was a very prominent English politician. He, uh, he fought for the end of the slave trade in the British Empire for 20 years. 20 years he fought against it. He saw that it was wrong, it was wicked, and he tried. His build was defeated time and time again, uh, often by narrow margins and sometimes by dirty political tricks. Backstabbing. He had a friend, and his name was John Newton a former slave trader, and who was a very bold Christian, and he wrote up one of the greatest songs that we sing, Amazing Grace. All right, he, A great fellow. And he was a friend to William. And he gave him words of edification uh, to William during the time of great despair. I don't know exactly when this was, but I read that it was after one of the votes uh, that he was kind of stabbed in the back. I'm telling you, betrayal is one of the worst things. It hurts. And he was feeling really bad. He was feeling really discouraged. And Newton reminded William of the story of Daniel. And then there were some similarities between Daniel and Wilberforce. Daniel was a public man. So was Wilberforce, right? I mean, he was in the public eye. Uh, both trusted in God. Both were trying to be faithful to their duties. And both were looking to God to deliver them from their enemies. And Will, uh, Newton said to him, you know, the God whom you serve continually... And he's quoting King Darius's words when Daniel was in the lines then, is able to preserve you and deliver you. He said to William, he'll, our God will see you through. And that was such an encouragement to William. He needed to hear that. Uh, and again, sometimes when we are facing a battle and the enemy's against us, we think that we're all alone. We think no one understands. We're all by ourselves. Uh, and we can get discouraged very quickly. He comes alongside Newton and he encourages him. He shares the word of God with him and says, listen, you can go forward. Hey, his bill did pass. And, and slavery was abolished. And, you know, hey, what a great example how edifying a friend changed the world. We need to be building each other up. Uh, and we need to be watching what we say and how we say it. Uh, and if you might say, well, Pastor, I haven't been a very good friend. You know, as you're talking about this, the Lord's convicted me of some things. Great. You can start tonight. Once the message is over, you can start being a good friend. You don't have to wait. You don't, you don't have to go through a 12-step process to start being a good friend again. You can just start. And, and look to the Lord to help you be edifying uh, a brother and sister, a friend in the Lord. A friend goes the second mile. Friendship goes beyond the call of duty and volunteers for unrequired service. And this comes from the second mile thing that in Matthew chapter 5 verse 41 it says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Uh, that was from the Roman rule of law that a Roman soldier could pick anybody at any place, any village and say, Listen, you need to carry my pack. You're required. If you don't, 
you're in big trouble. And they would, the communities would actually have a stone marker where a mile out was. And as soon as they got to that stone marker, they'd drop it and see you later, pal, and walk away. So the Lord was encouraging these people to go, go the second mile. And guess what? The Roman soldier would notice, wouldn't he? Especially as he's walking away from the stone and you're still carrying the pack. He, he's probably going to ask some questions. Now, and the idea here was that you're going to be a good testimony for Jesus Christ and you can tell them of the Lord. Go, go beyond what's expected in your friendship. Do more than just what is required. You know, as a friend, we, we fill needs. Friendships and love are just not feelings, okay? But a willingness to meet others' needs. We, we, we hear about friendship, we hear about love, and it seems to be all in the air, okay? It, it's tangible, not imaginary. Now, I don't know about everybody else here, but no, my imaginary friends never really helped me much. We all had them, haven't we? Growing up, imaginary friend. You know, my imaginary friend when I was in grade three never helped me stand up to the bully. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's tangible. Friendship is tangible. It's not imaginary. You need to be a good friend. It's tangible. It's seen. And uh, look over at First uh, Samuel. First Samuel. Chapter number 20. Jonathan and David's friendship is one of the most popular friendships in the Word of God. Uh, And it's so neat to see. Uh, So I'm going to read for you a few verses here in 1 Samuel chapter 20, and starting verse number 27. And it came to pass on the morrow, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul uh, said unto Jonathan his son, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet? Neither yesterday nor today. So the idea of meat is coming to the table, they're eating. And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked, leave of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, let me go. I pray thee, for our family have a sacrifice in the city, and my brother have commanded me to be there. And now I have found favor in thine eyes. Let me get, uh, uh, let me get away, I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore he com- and cometh not unto the king's table. You know, that's a reasonable request by David. You understand the backstory here. Saul's already been mad at David. Jonathan knows it as well. David is really trying to preserve his life. And verse number 30, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said to him, Thou son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and under the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now, send and fetch him unto me, for he will surely die. And Jonathan answered uh, Saul, his father, and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So, you know, we get a little bit of the story here. Jonathan, David, good friends. Jonathan was the King Saul's son. He was next in line. Yet Jonathan knew that God had chosen David to replace his father as king. And Jonathan loved David, loved him like his own soul. They were just knitted by God together. They were, you know, the best of friends. And when Saul attempts to kill David, Jonathan risked his own life. 
I mean, you understand the question that he had in verse 32 would end up some people dead? You never question the king. And he asked, wherefore shall he be slain? What have he done? You know, in our day and age, that's appropriate. You can ask questions. Back in that day, when the king said something, you went and did it. And Jonathan demonstrates that I love David more than what's going on here. I, I care for him. He's my friend. He, he's filling the need. He's providing him a way of escape. What a great friend Jonathan was to David. You know, and David did respond to that friendship later uh, in life and took care of uh, Jonathan's son. Uh, but the idea that he fills the need as friend, that's what a friend does. Jesus Christ meets our needs, amen? He's the greatest friend. He meets our needs. He's the best friend we can have. Uh, we need to come to Jesus Christ and accept Him as our Lord and Savior. Him alone, nothing else. There's nobody else but Him. And when we accept Him as Savior, He forgives us of our sins and we're part of the family of God and He's there with us every step of the way. He's meeting our needs. He's taking care of us. He's there for us physically, emotionally, spiritually. What a great friend He is. And as the hemorrhoider wrote, what a friend we have in Jesus. Absolutely true. What a friend we have in Jesus. So not only is a friend who goes to the second mile filling the need, he's patient. He's patient as well. The second mile would not have been fun to walk. You think of that big Roman sack, right? The, his knapsack. <clears throat> and also a big burly soldier, Roman soldier, walking down the road, gives it to a, a younger person or smaller person, and he's bringing it to the second mile. It would be suffering. It would not be fun. It would be hard. Hey, as a friend, uh, you know, we just need to pers- you know, persevere and patience and doesn't give up. And uh, they keep being your friend and help you along the way. Sometimes if we'll be honest with ourselves, if we'll be honest with ourselves, we're not always the easiest to get along with. We're really quick to say, well, they're not being nice. Well, sometimes you're not being nice. Right? Let's just be honest. Sometimes we're the problem. And we don't want it to take care of. And that friend is still there. Is there Charles still trying to help us? You know, still sending you that text message. Oh, you need to be in church. Are you reading your Bible? And you're stop texting me. Leave me alone. So the reality is, sometimes it's us. That's the problem. And they're still there. They're still there trying to help us. They're there trying to encourage us. You know, I think of Jesus. He he demonstrated patience and long suffering towards his disciples. You know, time and time again, he was disappointed with their stubbornness. Their ignorance and their lack of faith, but he, you know, there was times he rebuked them and they needed to be rebuked. Other times he exhorted them, encouraged them to do what's right and they needed it, but he never gave up on them. Isn't that a wonderful thing to realize in our own lives that Jesus will never give up on us? He's our friend. If we know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, he's never given up on us. You know, a standing characteristic of an artist or a craftsman is patience. That's why I'm never going to be an artist. And I'm never going to craft very much. My patience, the Lord is still working with me on. Uh, I've never seen Mount Rushmore besides like pictures, like maybe in a movie, documentary, whatever, as they were making it. it. Took 14 years to do that. 14 years. You know, to carve those faces in that mountain. That's unbelievable. You know, it just takes time. It's a testimony of patience required in the design and in the construction. Our own lives as well are testimony to God's patience with us. He's working in our lives individually and specifically. And uh, when we begin to feel frustrated with our friends, 
we must remember God's patience towards us and demonstrate that same patience to them. You know, there's going to be days when you're going to need that patience too. Because you're being the one that's being hard to get along with. A friend is faithful. A friend is faithful. A faithful friend is an incredible gift. And to be a faithful friend is an incredible task as well. It's not easy. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend uh, loveth all times, and a brother is born for adversity in times of prosperity or poverty, in times of joy or in sorrow, in times of health or illness. A true friend will remain faithful. Uh, I, I really like this definition. This is not in a dictionary, but someone once said it to me. A true friend is a friend who walks in when everybody else is walking out. I love that definition. That, not that that friend's got a whole lot to offer, but he's just there because he's friend. He's there to be, to be a help, to be an encouragement, whatever he can do. Okay, I, I think of a great friend named Silas in the Bible. Apostle Paul. He willingly shared in Paul's persecution. Now, Paul was the front man in the sense that he was the most prominent. He did probably most preaching. Uh, Silas was probably running around doing the, the side things that... You know, Paul didn't need to do, but he could do for Saul, for Paul. And, and so when Paul preached and he got persecuted, Silas wasn't like, oh, I'm not involved here. See you later. Have a good time in jail, Paul. No, he went to jail with Paul. Right? He went to, he was in the jail. Uh, I think at that time in the jail in Philippi. Anyway, earlier in the day, him and Paul were walking somewhere in the city, in the town there of Philippi, and there was a girl there who was possessed with a demon, and uh, by God's power, Paul was able to uh, remove that demon. She was uh, he was forcibly removed from her, and the people who were using her for gain got upset, and they went to jail. They went to jail because they helped somebody. Talk about injustice, right? And they're in jail now, and uh, I don't know about you, <clears throat> but I would be tempted to look at Paul like, "What'd you do that for?" Man, like, I don't want to be in stocks and bonds. I don't want to be in the middle of the jail. Come on, Paul. No, no, none of that. They, they, they're there in the jail and they begin to sing. They have a, a, a great praise time and there and they're praising the Lord. That's a great friend. That's a faithful friend. And sometimes faithfulness involves us being, again, as I mentioned, uh, uh, willing to rebuke a friend for his own good. Proverbs 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, I'm blessed to have a number of good friends who I can call for advice and encouragement or correction. Um, I, have, I got, I got uh, Pastor Boyd Stansford. Uh, I went to school with Boyd. Uh, we, I really started to know him in grade 6 or 7. He was a couple grades older uh, than me, uh, but I got to know him really well. And uh, we started church at the same time in Newfoundland. Uh, so we were constantly phoning each other. I don't talk to him very much now, as much as I used to, but we still chat. And uh, he, he's always encouraging me. you know. And sometimes he'd be like, that's a really bad idea. Sometimes we need to hear that, right? That's a really bad idea. And he would never say it in a way that I felt really stupid. <laughs> Though maybe the idea was stupid. Uh, but he was there just to encourage you know, and I, I'd pick up the phone tonight with him if he was home and we'd chat, fine. I, I, he's a faithful friend. 
You know, and I, I don't feel that, that the rebukes are ones that will hurt me in the long run. It will help me in the long run. Right now, it might sting a little bit. Like, I really thought that was a good idea. He's like, no, that's really dumb. Don't do that. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Now, so I've known him a long time. It's getting like 30-odd years. And I'm thankful that he's still faithful to the ministry. I got uh, newer friends. You know, it's not great with life. You know, you have old friends and you get, you get new friends. You don't, you don't lose the old friends, but maybe life changes, you move and you don't, you're not so connected, like, so I'm not so connected with Pastor Stansford anymore. Still good friends, we'll pick it up where we left off. Uh, but I, I made a new friend about six, six, six or seven years ago, and that's Pastor Waski in Markham. Uh, and I think everyone in the world should have a friend from West Virginia. Alright? They are amazing friends. They're like the Newfies of America, okay? So that's why we get along so well. All right, we just have a great time. And uh, so we talk all the time of ministry. We minister in the GTA, so there's a lot of similarities in our ministries. Um, now, his church is a whole lot newer than ours, but we still talk a lot. And uh, I know when Pastor Waski is telling me that it's not a very good idea, because he says to me, he goes, is that really the best idea there? It's, it's his real kind way of rebuking. Is that really the best idea? Maybe you should do this. But I'm just glad I have friends who are being honest with me. I mean, and you should be as well. If your friend is always saying yes, they're not being a real good friend. Because not everything you think of is a great idea. Oh, I said that out loud too. The reality is we need those friends who will come along and say, hey, hey, that's not a bad idea. Or that's, that's, that's probably a good idea, but you need to do it this way to be even better. You know, maybe, maybe this is not the best job opportunity. Maybe this will take you away. You know, I'm, I wish there were some friends who would tell some other friends that, hey, don't move away from the city where there is no church. Don't move to the city where it's not a good church for you to go to church with your family. It's going to hurt your family. I wish we had more friends who would say that. You know, we need to be going. That's the kind of friendships. They're faithful. And we need, we need to be thankful for those. And I'm very thankful for faithful, honest, loving laymen in our church who are my friend and, uh, and other churches as well who are my friend. And they just do, they help me do the work of the ministry more effectively. They give me good ideas. I, I don't have all the best ideas in the world, not by a long shot. But the idea is that they're helping me, co-labor with me. Hey, we're all in this for Jesus. And they're faithful. And I appreciate that very, very much. They're a tremendous blessing to me. And the last thought about a friend. A friend is forgiving. A friend is forgiving. Who hasn't needed forgiveness from his or her friend? We're so e- we're so easily wounded, uh, so easy to wound our friends with our thoughtless words or careless deeds. It's all about us, and man, we gotta be so careful about that. We live in a society that says all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you. You're number one, you're number one. It's all about your way or the highway, blah blah blah. And we st- we let that thought pattern start filtering in our lives. And you know what? We don't try to treat our friends very well when we start thinking like that. In the Bible, it's never about us, is it? It's never about me being number one. It's me having a focus on Jesus and serving others. So the reality is, if I'm going to be number one in the Lord's eyes, I need to have Him focused, and my focus on Him is right, then I'll be the best friend I can be to those around me. All right. So our world kind of throws it upside down. We need to be careful about it. And sometimes we can say some thoughtless words. Hey, we all have bad days. The Bible's never said that we're always going to have good days and everything will be roses, you know. So there's times when we have a bad day and we say things 
that aren't the best, right? Let's just be honest. Then there, then you got to go eat crow. Don't like doing that. But the reality is, it's the best thing to do. Because it shows that person you have hurt with your careless words or thoughtless deeds that you care about the relationship. You know what happens? Helps that relationship grow tighter, grow stronger. Admit it. Move it. Hey, I need forgiveness. Please forgive me. And I appreciate when my friends extend that forgiveness to me and they're like, yeah, sure. I forgive you. No problem. Let's move forward. I'm so glad I got friends who are not like, oh, Pastor Mark, can you remember when you did that six months ago in three days and four hours? Have you ever met someone who remembers all the bad things you've done? I, man, I got some people in my family that they remind me all the time. Not my immediate family, but in Newfoundland, okay? So look at my kids like, they remember everything their dad did wrong. But the reality is we got people just remember that stuff. Like, how, why do you want to remember that? We're moving forward. I'm so glad the Lord doesn't look down on me and say, I can't believe you did that again. I looked at the Lord and asked, Lord, please forgive me. It's done. He never remembers again. You know, we we need to be forgiving. We need to be showing that forgiveness. We need to be uh, demonstrating a forgiving spirit to others. You know, Jesus is the greatest example of a forgiving friend. During his darkest hours, his disciples forsook him. In our darkest hours, when we want our friends the most, isn't it? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that desire. That's absolutely uh, a right thinking that our friends will be there to help us. Matthew 26, 56 tells us that all the disciples forsook him and fled. And Peter, who a few hours before was like, I'll die for you and, and all this stuff, you know, he's de- denying him not once, not twice, but three times. And every time with increasing indignation. Only John is mentioned of being at the cross. But Jesus is tender to his disciples after his resurrection. I mean, the human, the human side, the flesh would say, you, you betrayed me. I'm not, I'm not going to do with you in again. You're done. Don't even come around me anymore. Right? That's human flesh. The Lord demonstrates such forgiveness. He says unto them, peace be unto you. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to hear when you betrayed somebody? Peace be unto you. And he showed him his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. I, I, I think they were crying. I think they were crying when they saw that. They knew what they did. In part because they knew the Lord in His mercy forgave them. And they understood that He was making things. He had forgiven. I mean, that's just amazing. That, I mean, it's emotional just to think about myself here. And it's a long ways away from that event. He was He was gentle. You know... Gentleness is very important. We don't need to be rough. I mean, I know there's times when you're messing around, having a, having a laugh and you're rough about things. But listen, when it has to do with forgiveness and things of this nature, you need to be gentle. Let's be gentle. No, no need to raise your voice! Hey, be gentle. Be calm. Hey, I forgive you. He's raising your voice saying, I forgive you. Do you think I forgive you? No, it's definitely betraying the wrong thing you want to betray. And the Lord is just there gently forgiving them. Even Downing Thomas, he gently takes... So not only did Thomas reject him, 
But then he's saying, I doubt that he's even real, that he's, he's still alive. And Jesus comes along right alongside and gently deals with him. Wow. What a friend. What a friend. And Jesus still forgave them. Lord, help us to forgive our friends when they've done something wrong and they've done something that's out of turn. And Peter actually asked the Lord before the events of the crucifixion, he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? That's in Matthew 18, 21. And then Jesus responds, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So I'm, I'm not really good at math, but I do know that's 480, 490 times. I almost got my math wrong there. All right, 490 times. That's how many times you... So the idea the Lord's trying to give them, just keep forgiving. You know, don't stop. I mean, if your friend is having a really bad day, he's never going to need to be forgiven 490 times. I mean, if he's having that bad day, just tell him to go back to bed, okay? You know, the idea is that we just, we give, we keep giving that forgiving spirit. We forgive, we move forward. Now, not only did Jesus forgive his friends, he forgave his enemies. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, maybe this evening you don't know Christ as Savior. Uh, you're not in the friend category right now with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're still at odds with him. And you need to come to him. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you're in the friend category. You're, you're family of God. And his arms are wide open. You know, uh, I, I do. I haven't preached about friends in a long time. I don't know why. I, I enjoy friends. I, I know how important they are. And sometimes we can get lulled into this in our social media age. I know some of you don't. You're not in Facebook or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and today I was just a little scrolling through. I posted something about my dad being a great dad and things. And uh, on the Facebook thing, they got a little banner there telling about friends that you could be friends with. Now, Facebook friends are not really friends. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I understand some of them are your friends. Uh, and I just so happen to come across, I don't even know who this person was. I'm not going to say their name because I can't even remember it. But um, they were mutual friends with my wife. And then I looked at my wife's little thing, and me and my wife are mutual friends with 432 people. I'm like, there's no way. I'm friends with 432 people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to be nice to them. I'm, I'm interested in their life and things of that nature. But I understand there's only so many people that you're going to be able to be true friend to. Be true. Be a true friend. Show them the love of Christ. And allow the Lord to work in your life to help you build the relationships with others that you're sharpening someone else. That you're encouraging them. That you're challenging someone else to walk closer to the Lord. Make sure things are right with other people. And fulfill His purpose. You might say, uh, well, I don't have very many friends. I don't have much influence. Listen, you don't understand how much influence you do have. Every one of us influences someone else. So use that influence, no matter if it's gargantuous or minute. Use your influence to help. Show them the Lord. Be a godly friend. Show them the love of God. And never forget the example of Jesus Christ that we see in God's Word. Oh, what a friend He is, and I hope you know Him. Dear Jesus, thank You 
for your word. And Lord, thank you for the reality of friendship. Sometimes we forget how important they are. And if we're going to be honest, sometimes we're not very good friends ourselves. Lord, encourage our hearts to be faithful, to be true, to be edifying, encouraging, forgiving. There are so many other things we could say about friendship as well. But Lord, just help us determine our hearts and lives that we will be a good friend. Lord, we're going to need your encouragement and help us to be serious about sharpening other people's lives the best that we can, doing with love and kindness and compassion. Uh, it's no doubt we live in a day where so many reject the Lord and reject the Bible and Christianity. Oh, we need friends in a great way, good Christian friends. And Lord, help us to be that today and in the days ahead. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.